Hello, friends. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Elmwood Baptist Church. We are an independent fundamental Baptist church in Brighton, Colorado. We are so blessed to have you join us today. As we open God's word, I pray that you will be encouraged and strengthened. Our desire is for the world to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and for Christians to grow in an intimate relationship with Jesus and to serve God with their whole life. May God bless you richly as you listen today. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter number 22. This message tonight, I, I must give a little credit where credit is due and kind of give you a little background on this sermon. Much of the material that I'm using tonight came from Dr. Terry Coomer. And the reason for that is simply because this is the message that he preached the night that God got a hold of my heart about the heart of my daughter and my wife. And I thought, you know what? I, I was looking at these notes again, and I thought, you know, this, this message needs to be preached across America. And not because I'm some kind of great preacher, but just because the, the message is a message that has in large part been lost lost on Christians and we need to recapture this and so I, I hope you have your ears on so that you can hear and your heart turned in so that we can receive Father in heaven I pray you'd bless this service now tonight God help this preacher to preach please without you this service is nothing and I'm just going to be just up here just uh, saying a bunch of words I need you, Lord. I need you to exercise your power now and give us a demonstration of that power. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 613 Levitical commands were reduced down to 10 great commandments that God gave to Moses on Sinai. From 10 great commandments, now Jesus in the new covenant now reduced all of those commands down to two great commandments. The greatest one is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And elsewhere in the gospel, it adds in with all thy strength. And then the second, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What if, just think, just think tonight, if those two commands were, were very, very diligently followed in our society today, what would our culture look like today? What would it look like today? In Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, the Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence. If God says we can keep it, then we can keep it. For out of it are the issues of life. You know, uh, we, we sometimes don't think about keeping our heart, do we? But it is indeed what this is all about. 
a message entitled, I don't even know what the title of his message was, but I entitled this message, A Trial's Heart, because I think that's what it's all about. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26 on the screen tonight, my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Solomon's telling Rehoboam, who by the way, went off and, and it totally blew it. But it wasn't for lack of a father who was trying to instruct his son. Give me your heart. Let me have your heart. And let thine eyes observe my ways. That might be where they went off the rails right there. Some sad statistics, and I've shared these before, but depending on on. on what statistical information that you that you lean on. Anywhere from 60 to 80% of kids who grow up in an independent Baptist home do not go on to serve the Lord. That's heartbreaking. In fact, in many cases, the children's lives are so destructive for themselves and to others, and parents, honestly, they fail to see what the real problem is. The real problem is their heart. All the issues of life come out of the heart. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. You know, uh, our children, just as we, when we grew up, Many of them grow up to just be pleasers, to just be people pleasers. That, that's what it's all about. But as soon as they're grown up, then the desire to be a people pleaser, a desire to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, that goes away. Now all of a sudden they, they have no real relationship with the Lord that anchors them. And now they don't even have a real relationship with their parents. They may have gone to church all of their life. They may have read their Bible. They may have memorized verses. They may have been homeschooled. They may have been in a great Christian school. But destruction came. Destruction came. And now their parents are brokenhearted. They end up, they end up talking to their pastor or someone else. And they do not know what happened. And worse yet, they do not know what to do with what has happened. And parents have got to understand something. We've got a responsibility to get and to protect the heart of our children. And to keep that heart. To keep it. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 tells us, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Dad, let me ask you a question tonight. What do you think the most important thing you do is that you do for your family? Think about it. In Ephesians 6, 4, that's on the screen right now, just leave that up for a moment, fellas. See the word nurture there? Nurture means to feed, 
to nourish, to educate, to train, and to instruct the heart. Then you see another word, the word admonition. That means gentle reproof, counseling, instruction in duties, caution in behavior, and direction of the heart. Everything is pointing to the heart. Dad, how are you going to do that if you're not there to do that? Many dads, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to jump all over this because this is what I was too. And believe me, the ministry makes amplifies this. But many dads are working jobs where, where the kids are with mom all the time and very rarely with dad. Dad leaves before they're up and dad comes home when they're in bed. Many times. And yet, in Ephesians 6, 4, you'll see, and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but fathers Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nowhere in there do you read that mom is supposed to raise the kids. Mom helps raise the kids. Let's face it, without mom, the, the, the home was going to be in chaos. But understand that the responsibility on judgment day, daddy, is going to fall on you. It's going to fall on you. The word wrath that we read in this passage, and you can go ahead and get back on cue now for me, that, that word means anger, but not just anger. It means anger with a strong desire to seek revenge or malice. Now, now you say, really, honestly? I mean, that's what that wrath means? Yeah, that's what my study revealed and Dr. Coomer's study as well. It would shock you. And just, just in recent months at Elmwood Baptist Church, I have been introduced to some behavior that is just absolutely shocking. And you would be shocked to learn how many adults who were once the children, now adults, who absolutely have no care for their parents at all. They don't care whether they're living or dead. They don't care where they live, where they don't live. It's just the way it is. And especially dad. Think about a child who grew up in a Christian home, but later so angry that, that they wanted to seek some kind of vengeance on their parents. And we think, oh, that'll never happen. Listen, it's not only happening, it could happen to you. And why would they do that? Because the parents neglected the importance of, of focusing on the heart of their child rather than on the performance of their child. You better get that point. The goal of every Christian parent 
should be, or should not be, I'm sorry, should not be to raise a good kid who is super academically smart and a tremendous athlete. Now, is there anything wrong with being tremendously uh, gifted in those areas? No, there's not. That's not the point. And see, you could already miss it. You could already miss it now by saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's wrong with being smart? What's, what's wrong with being an athlete? Nothing. But if that is your goal for your kids, you do not have their heart. Because it should be for Christian parents to train them up so that then when they're adults, that they remain useful for God. You know, when I was saved, most of the Bible college, most of the students that went to Bible college were young men and young women who were training for the missionary, mission field or uh, the young men were training for pastorates or being evangelists. And now it's, now it's completely flip-flopped. Now we have... Now, now we have students, the majority of students want business degrees. They want some kind of secular work. By the way, again, is there anything wrong with that? No, there isn't. But what's happened in the last 40-some years? I'll tell you. Parents have lost the hearts of their children. And their children are not really interested in serving God. It's going to matter... It's going to matter someday how your kids turn out. If they turn out for the world and the world says, yippee skippy, you blew it. If they turn out for God, then you're going to be very, very happy, Mom and Dad. If they don't turn out, it's not going to matter how, much your, how, how great your career was, how much you made, where you lived or anything else about your life. And believe me, nearly 30 years of being a senior pastor, I've lost count how many parents that I have talked to about their children who have gone off the rails. How do I avoid this, Pastor? I mean, you got my attention now. So how do I avoid this? Well, number one, parents must have a real relationship with God. I'm not talking about just got saved. You can be saved and not have a real, personal, passionate, intimate relationship with God. By the way, let me just illustrate this. If you're not careful, over the years, you can have a marriage that has stacked up a lot of years but your relationship is cold as ice. And I don't mean people tearing at one another. I'm talking about the intimacy is gone, the love is gone, the real warmth of the relationship is gone. It's just gone, but you're still married, aren't you? You can be saved and not have a real intimate 
relationship with God Almighty. In Psalm 127, 1, it says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Proverbs 4 and verse 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs 14, 14, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. It's a heart issue, folks. It's a heart issue. I could go on and on tonight and just recite hundreds of verses. So, number one, parents, you have to have a real relationship with the Lord. And I'm talking about what you do for the Lord is because you deeply love Him. When I was preparing this message, I had to go back and question myself. Lord, am I, do, am I a mechanical Christian? You know, a, a, a Christian who is not deeply in love with the Lord can do everything that we do mechanically without loving the Lord. Are you hearing me tonight? And if it's all mechanical, then it's nothing. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, it gives us our second point. Parents, you must turn their hearts, your hearts, toward your children. Turn the parents' hearts to the children. Malachi 4, 6. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And I believe that that's happened. I believe that the curse looks like children who later in life want nothing to do with their parents. That's the curse. And it's an unfortunate thing if you happen to be the parent that has to live through this. It's terrible. So this means that a father's heart is a very serious matter. So dads, please, please get this. The father must have his heart in the right place to have spiritual results in the lives of your children. Your heart has to be right. You say, well, why doesn't it include my wife? And what, you know, how come just, how come we're focused on dads? Because dads are the heads of their home. And even if mama calls all the shots, I'll tell you something right now you're going to stand on judgment day and you're going to give an account for how you led your home, even if mama led it. So we've got to take this very seriously. Now I'm going to read to you a long letter that uh, Dr. Coomer shared. A well-known youth pastor received this letter from a Bible college young lady and it says, Dear Pastor, not named. A few years ago, I read your books. I found them to be extremely encouraging and instructive. These books showed me not, that not only do you have a real heart for young people, but you also understand as well. I'm writing to ask you to consider writing a book to our parents and youth workers. Let me explain. I'm a junior at a well-known Christian college. 
I grew up in a highly respected, fundamental, independent Baptist church and went to excellent Christian school. My father has been a Christian worker since before I was born. One would think that my testimony would go something like this. I was saved when I was about five, and I had dedicated my life to God and have been growing a lot and serving him, and now I'm studying to serve him full-time, but that is not my story. Actually, though, I did make a profession of faith when I was very young, but I didn't get saved until I was 17. Since I was 12, and, and, and since, I, since I was 12, and now on into college, I have struggled with some very serious things. I found out when I went to college that I'm not, only, I, I'm not the only good kid who is or has struggled with or is struggling still with some pretty serious things. Pastor, we struggle with issues like eating disorders, depression, suicide, cutting, pornography, gender identity, homosexuality, drugs, drinking, immorality, and the list could go on. We listen to wild music and we idolize pop culture heroes and we watch dirty sitcoms. We have no discrimination in our entertainment. Obviously, I'm generalizing our problems. You would not find that every Christian young person from a conservative background struggles with all of these issues. And praise God, some of us do not struggle with any of these issues. But my point is that the problems that are supposed to be bad kid problems belong to us too. Unfortunately, our parents and youth workers don't know that we struggle with these things and they don't know what to do with us when they find out. Quite frankly, I believe that if you grab the average Christian school teacher or youth worker and ask, and, and ask them, what would you do if you found out that one of your, the kids in your group was a homosexual? They wouldn't know what to say. My point is not, is, is not simply that they don't know what we struggle with or how to deal with it. I think there's a pretty simple reason why good kids struggle with such serious stuff and that there's a solution. At the risk of being blunt, I'm going to be blunt. Our parents did not spend time teaching us to love God. Our parents put us in Sunday school since K-4. Our parents took us to church every time the doors were open, sent us to every youth activity. They made sure we went to good Christian schools and colleges. They had us sing in the choir, help in the nursery, be ushers, go soul winning. We did teen devotionals and prayed over every meal. We did everything right. And they made sure that we did. But they forgot all about our hearts. They forgot that the Bible never commanded the church to teach the children about God and his ways. That responsibility was laid at the feet of our fathers. Unfortunately, our fathers just didn't have time for us. They put us where we could be surrounded by the Bible, but they didn't take the time to show us that God was important enough to them for them to tell us personally about him. So to us, Christianity has become a religion of externals. 
Do all the right stuff and you're a good Christian. Do some of us walk away from church? Some of us stay in church and fill a pew? Many of us struggle with stuff that our parent have, parents have no idea about because they hardly know us. I think these problems stem from, first, our detachment from our parents, and second, from our misunderstanding about the essence of Christianity. A, ra a relationship is not a list of rules. I worry that many young people like me are not even saved because of their misunderstandings about Christianity. I know that this has not been a well-articulated letter, but it comes from the heart. If you're able to help us and our families, we would be so grateful. I realize that probably there is no way to fix the fact that kids my age are detached from our parents or to straighten out the crazy stuff that we'd struggle with. The alienation is fixed. The scars are permanent. I know our situation is not hopeless. God is at work in my life and my generation. But maybe our younger siblings can have some help that we never had. Maybe you can write a book for our parents that will grab their attention and help them see that this is a serious issue, that their kids need them desperately. And by the way, can I just inject this? This young lady's pretty bold, and I appreciate it. But that's the reason why God gave us a Bible. That's the book we need to be in. I guess I've run out of things to say. I must say I am a little hesitant to share my name with you because that attaches me with my parents who are, by the way, good people. Thanks for everything you've already done to help Christian teens and their families. Sincerely, and, and she's anonymous. Are we teaching kids to simply appear and act right? Or are we teaching them to love God and to know God personally? I stand before you as one parent who blew it. Totally. Everything this young lady said, she's saying to me. Don't get filled up with pride and say, well, I, I, I don't think I've done so bad. Listen, you need to humble yourself and get this message. Parents must have a real relationship with God. You need to focus on that, Mom and Dad. Well, how will I know when I have it? When you are in love with Jesus Christ, our Lord. When he is more than just a name and a figure and... He's someone you deeply love. And by the way, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not hard to serve the Lord when we love him. Nobody burns out on love. Nobody needs a break on love. If everything was done with love, the problems would be far fewer must have a real relationship with God. Parents must turn their hearts, the parents' heart, 
toward their children. Thirdly, parents must guard their thinking. Not only their thinking, but even the child's. In independent Baptist churches, we talk about the externals. But seriously, we don't understand what even the issue is. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Thinketh in his heart in his heart. Why? Because it's out of this thing that all the issues of life come. Everything about you is coming from the heart. Whatever you are has come from the heart. Whatever comes out of your mouth first was in your heart. Whatever is in your thought life is in your heart. The thinking of parents determines not only their destiny, but the destiny of their children. I once said, I never planned on living to 30. I was tied into a big drug family. And my, my requests, my final requests were, I wanted to be buried in a coffin full of drugs. And prior to that, the greatest goal that I had in my life was to become so well connected that my daughter would never have to go on the street to use drugs. It wasn't that my daughter wouldn't use drugs. Of course my daughter's going to use drugs. Of course I want my daughter to use drugs. Do you understand how demented and sick that is? Of course I wasn't saved. But listen, Christians can have an entirely different motive than love for what it is they're doing. 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself uh, against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let me ask you a question tonight. How many of you would raise your hand tonight and say, I have some of the most wicked thoughts when I'm in prayer? I'm the only one, huh? Wow, look at how wicked I am. How many understand tonight that the devil is right there when you're praying? How many understand tonight that the devil even distracts us during our prayer time? And sometimes we say things like, oh, Lord, forgive me. Uh, God, help me to get back on track. Am I hitting home with anything? How many Christians spend hours dwelling on impure thoughts. God's not deceived about it. He knows our thought life. And our thought life is not going to only affect us, it's also going to affect our children. And it's a matter of controlling our thought life. And how is that done? By the power of the Holy Spirit of God. If we do not have a real personal intimate relationship with God, then we don't know how to control evil and impure thoughts when they come into our mind. That's why they keep coming. We cannot stop a thought from coming into our mind, but we can sure stop it from staying there. How do you do that? James 4, 7. 
James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Wait a minute. I, I got saved. I mean, I, you know, of course I'm submitted to God. Really? Well, then the Bible must be wrong. And, of course, we know the Bible's not wrong. So, Christian, just because you're saved doesn't mean you're submitted to God. So God's word says, submit yourself therefore to God, and here's what happens. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do you resist the devil? By first submitting yourself to God. By first saying, God, I'm not, I'm not capable of doing this, but you are. I'm submitting myself to you. If parents don't understand how to do that, then surely they're not going to be able to teach their children how to do it. That's true, isn't it? We have to deal with our lusts. We have to first understand the Bible tells us we have more than one enemy. We have the, we have the, the, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. I don't even know which one of those three is the worst. But we also elsewhere in Scripture are reminded that we battle the world, the flesh, and the devil. And at the risk of sounding like I'm sticking up for the devil, let me just quickly say, some things that are just born right out of our stinking flesh had nothing to do with the devil. It had to do with our flesh. And some of the things where we have fallen in love deeply with the things of the world and what it does had nothing to do with the devil. It had to do with the fact that we've fallen in love with this world and its things. And it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and then the pride that says, there's no problem with me. I mean, you know, maybe somebody else has a problem, but I don't really have a problem in that area. Yeah, right, you've got bigger problems than you know. James 1.14, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Is that not true? Is that not true? So parents, we have to have a real relationship with God. You know, I, I uh, told you that after this service, I was, the God had so grabbed my heart that as soon as I got back to the motel room that evening, I got on the phone and in tears I called my wife. After we'd been married for 44 years, I said, Betty, can you, can you please forgive me? What do you mean? I said, I believe that if it's true that I've lost your heart a long time ago. And there was silence on the phone. And I asked her, I said, please forgive me. Because I failed as a father, I've also failed as a husband. 
after I was done with that phone call, my, my dear wife, because I had humbled myself and God had used that humility, Betty said, you're different. You have my heart. I called my daughter, a grown woman, pastor's wife. But I knew I had lost my daughter's heart. I lost my daughter's heart when she was 14, 15 years old. Probably before that. And I got on the phone and in tears again, told Chastity what God had been doing with me. And I said, honey, I've lost your heart and your life. Again, she was quiet, but then she said, yes, Daddy, you did. We talked further, and I told her how God was dealing with me, and that I'd just gotten off the phone with Mom, and we talked for about a half an hour, and I apologized to her for so many foolish things. And before we hung up, she said, Daddy, yeah, honey, what? She said, you have my heart. You don't know how that feels when God has done something inside of you and revealed to you that you weren't the greatest at what it was you were doing. And to have the two people that loved me, I think, the most say that I had their hearts. That doesn't mean that I'm perfect. won't mean that you're perfect. But it will mean that relationships change and that I've been changed by them. We must have a real relationship with God. We must have, there must exist the possibility that God can get a hold of your heart and can, can bring you to the place of brokenness before him, realizing it wasn't somebody else's fault. It was yours. I'm tired of the blaming. I'm tired of figuring out who to blame next. We have to have a real relationship with God to the place where You'll know when you're there because you're deeply in love with Jesus Christ. We need to turn our hearts to our children and our children's hearts to us. We need to guard our thinking and thereby teach our kids how to guard their thinking. Number four, we must guard the child's heart. Every child who wanders, wanders because their heart wanders. The heart is where the issues of life come from. Here's what happens. The parents lose the heart of the child, the, ch the heart wanders, 
and then gets hard. Then the child's heart can be stolen. This process never changes. Satan is in the heart-stealing business. Eventually, the heart of a wandering child will be stolen. It can be stolen by friends. It can be stolen by sports. It can be stolen by other activities. It can be stolen by other relatives. It can be stolen by boyfriends. It can be stolen by girlfriends. And the list goes on and on. The heart can be stolen. The devil will use whoever and whatever is available. And he will attack us at our weakest point. The parent has to get the heart of the child. We have to sit down with our children. Might even be adult children. We need to humble ourselves. We need to spend some time with God and let God break our hearts. And then we need to humble ourselves and have a very humble conversation with our children. You see, we're not raising robots. Robots just going through the mechanical work of what's expected. We need the children to learn, to think, to allow God to speak to their hearts. They must develop a real personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Or they are going to suffer the same fate. Please understand that all the issues of life are spiritual issues. All the issues of life are heart issues. Joshua 24, 15 says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was a powerful, powerful leader. Well up in years, over a hundred years of age at the time of Joshua 24, 15. Massive landowner. All of the clan of Joshua would live on all that property. When he said, but as for me and my house, there wasn't any democratic rule. Dad was the patriarch, a loving patriarch. But understand something tonight. He probably had sons that were 70 and 80 years of age at the time that he declared this to Israel. And he said, but as for me and even those guys, we will serve the Lord. Fear had to be something that Joshua lived out of the Decalogue of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. I'm saying to us as fathers and grandfathers and now great-grandfathers, 
I've got to know this. And thou shalt love, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. For my prayer is going to be God. Please help me. Help me to fall in love with you deeply. Because we struggle. We struggle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest. That tells me that amongst all the other conversations of life, the ones that should be the most prominent should be the ones when dad has the family around together and he opens up the Bible and he begins to share the word of God with his family. There is nothing on earth that will ever replace that. Nothing. It's a heart problem. It's a heart issue. We have to have a real relationship with God, and we have to turn our hearts to our children, children's heart to us, and guard our children's thinking and our own, and guard our children's heart, and lastly, we need to turn our child's heart to others. So we're back to the most, the two most important commands in all of the Bible. And Jesus said unto them in Matthew 22, where we begin, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And this is the first and great command. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, I learned something that you can memorize Bible verses, but Bible verses that aren't lived are worthless. They're worthless. A, person heart, a person's heart wanders when they don't put what they've learned from the Bible into life's practice. We have to not only hear the word of God, we must do the word of God because if we are just hearers of the word and not doers, then James tells us we have deceived ourselves. Nobody else deceived us. We deceived ourselves. Your children have to see others as Christ sees them. 
And the only way that that's going to happen is when they see you who are burdened for the lost and have compassion, desiring to see them saved. You are the Bible your children will read. When your heart or the child's heart isn't right, you and they will live a selfish, non-Christ-centered life. There'll be a whole bunch of things that are more important. There'll be a whole bunch of things that'll keep you away from the Bible, keep you away from church, keep you away from soul winning, keep you away from doing what God wants you to do. And they'll continue to do because that's where your heart is. Proverbs 13, 13 says, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. Here's what I suggest. Take your children with you when you come out for gate ministry or follow-up focus so they can see that you're burdened about reaching lost souls. Let your children see you pass out tracts to people. Have them with you so that they can see that this is something that, that you desire to do because you love the Lord. Let your children hear you pray for them. Let your children see you on an altar because an altar is a place of humility where a person can really do some business with God. Our children are going to do what they see that we do because we love the Lord. And that's where the instruction needs to be. I, do, I come to church because I love Jesus. I come to church because I, I just love the Lord so much I don't want to miss. I serve in the church because I love the Lord. I do what I do because I love the Lord Jesus. And why shouldn't we love him? Look what he's done for us. And we should be all on our way to hell. We do not deserve heaven. Not one of us. Why shouldn't we love him? Why should we love anything more than we love him? Many Christians have more compassion toward a hurt animal than they have toward a lost soul. If our children's hearts are not turned to others, they are going to grow up to live a selfish life focused only on themselves and what they want to do. And they learned that at home. Most Christian parents 
don't even see that you're here. And I sure didn't. And I'm sitting in a pew on a Wednesday night in Hope Baptist Church. And God got all over me. What do I do with this? The reason why I didn't get it and the reason why most Christian parents don't get it is because I didn't have a real personal, passionate, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And I pastor a church. This is serious stuff. This is very serious stuff. The reason why most Christians don't, don't even see this is because they don't have a real personal relationship with God. And so there needs to be a desire now to grasp this as much as it even may hurt tonight. Sometimes doing right after we have done wrong Sometimes that's uncomfortable and sometimes that even hurts, but it's right. And we have to stop making excuses and we have to grasp the responsibility to make sure, to make sure that we not only have made our hearts right with God, that we are raising up our children to have that loving, lasting, personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything else, at the end of the day, you will be a failure. A total failure. And we only got one shot at raising another generation of Thank you for listening to our sermons from Elmwood Baptist Church. If you like our ministry and want to know more, check out our website at www.elmwoodbaptist.org or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next time as we continue to study God's Word and grow in His grace. God bless you, my friends.